0: You are listening to Reach MD, XM 233 the channel for medical professionals. The federal government has become increasingly interested in doctors and their computers. The government wants you to start using computers as part of their process of taking care of patients. As a result, they have initiated various programs to practices to adopt electronic health records. Why are they doing this? What do they want in return? What's in it for you? Welcome to the Business of Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill, and today I'm with... Bruce Cleveland, a healthcare consultant for over 20 years. Bruce is president of Cleveland Consulting, Inc., an independent consulting firm specializing in advisory services to technology vendors and provider organizations. Welcome to the show, Bruce. Thank you, Larry. Bruce, it's very scary to me and to probably any other doctor when someone knocks on the door and says, I'm from the government and I'm here to help you. Can you tell me why the government is really interested in in getting us to jump on the EHR bandwagon?
1: Uh, well, that's a very good question, Larry. And uh, the reason is that, you know, as you know, Medicare and and Medicaid are really the two largest suppliers of of funding for uh, medical services. And there is a, a tremendous concern at at both the um, uh, at the national level about the cost and quality of medicine in this country. And the public policymakers at the federal level believe that. Uh, one of the most powerful ways to lower cost and improve quality is through healthcare IT, specifically electronic health records. Therefore, uh, the government has initiated a series of programs to help encourage physicians to adopt electronic health records.
0: All right. So, so far it sounds okay. However, I'm always skeptical of anything the government wants to do. They usually have good intentions, but they Pretty much muddy the waters in uh, everything they do, but hopefully in two years that may change. It's my editorial comment. Can you tell me a little bit about some of the programs they have in mind?
1: Sure. Uh, one of the things that when they they looked at the landscape of physicians out there and, and said, "Gee, why aren't more people using them?" One of the common complaints that they got from physicians was, "It's too hard. There's too many uh, vendors out there. I'm not sure which ones are any good." And so what they did is they funded this organization called CCHIT or C-C-H-I-T. And CCHIT stands for the Certification Commission for Healthcare IT. And basically the idea of CCHIT is to test individual electronic health records or EHRs and make sure they, they meet a minimum standard of quality and functionality. And if they do they get this a stamp of approval, which is kind of like a good housekeeping stamp of approval.
0: So a doctor should be looking for a CCHIT-approved EHR vendor?
1: In my opinion, yes.
0: And, you know, about how many vendors are out there now and how many of them are CCHIT-certified?
1: Depending on whose numbers you believe, there's anywhere between 250 to 300-plus companies that call themselves uh, a vendor of EHRs. Of those, about 90 are certified.
0: I would imagine every EHR company out there is working on getting certified as we speak.
1: Well, a lot of them are. What is true is the the c certification isn't free. Each vendor pays uh, about uh, in excess of $25,000 to apply for the certification. So some of the smaller vendors um, are resisting it and and saying that, gee, it's, it's not such a great idea. But the majority of, of the major players are already certified, and those that are really interested in participating in the market will go through the, uh, the CCHIT certification process.
0: As a solo practitioner or a small group, how does one go about finding out who is CCHIT certified?
1: Well, they've got a, uh, really a very, very good website. It's under www. C-C-H-I-T dot org. And you just click on that. It will give you a list of all of the CCHIT certified vendors by company name and by product name. And they also have a very nice little link from that to the individual vendor site. So if you want to do some shopping while you're there, you can, you can do that.
0: What other programs is the government working on currently?
1: The next program that I'm going to describe uh, is another uh, acronym. It's uh, D O Q dash I T, or pronounced Docket, which stands for Doctors Office Quality I T. And Docket was started, uh, a program initiated uh, a couple years ago by the uh, Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, or CMS. And the basic idea of Docket was to uh, have a program that would encourage adoption by physicians uh, um, across the country. And so what they did is they contracted with a group of organizations, and we give you yet another acronym called QIOs, or Quality Improvement Organizations, of which there is one in every state in the union, and said to those organizations, we're going to give you a certain amount of money, and we want you to take this money and use it to help educate and encourage physicians to adopt electronic health records. So they have, over the past two years, been in the process of doing that. Each of the QIOs has has a specific quota of a a certain number of practices there to recruit into the docket program, and in exchange they uh, are able to get essentially free consulting services that help them with their project.
0: If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMDXM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm with Bruce Cleveland today of Cleveland Consulting. We're talking about free electronic medical records from the government. Bruce, free consulting sounds great, but usually you get what you pay for. So how does it work?
1: Well, the, the way it works, uh, essentially, is you contact your local QIO and the best way to do that would be to go to another website. Uh, Here it is. It's www.medqic.org, and uh, from there, you'll be able to get a direct link um, to your state-based QIO. Uh, Really, from there, it's, it's simply a matter of contacting the QIO and asking them for assistance or guidance. I should mention that the Docket program is no longer recruiting practices for the program, but in the course of the two years, they have developed a actually a, a very good expertise and have a number of, of materials and assistance that they may be able to provide you. It varies on a state-by-state basis, so you really have to uh, contact your local QIO. What,
0: what state are you in, Bruce?
1: I'm in the state of Washington.
0: So have you been involved with any of this yet?
1: Uh, yes, I have. And actually I've been, I've worked with both the group in the state of Washington, which is Qualys, called Qualys, and in the state of California, uh, and the group there is called Lumetra. I've actually done a fair amount of training and education for them because the QIOs prior to this Government grant they received really were not expert in electronic health records, and so they needed additional training and help to get up to speed.
0: So, who pays you? Is the government paying you, or is this other organization paying you?
1: When I've done the work for the QIOs, the QIOs pay me. However, the QIOs are supported by grants from the government.
0: What about the doctor who has an EMR already in one of those states and wants some extra consulting? I I bet the answer is he doesn't get any.
1: There was certainly a bias in the program to people who did not have EHRs. So it really was intended for those people that were in the process of looking around for a system, felt that they needed some additional assistance, um, and were willing to participate in this program.
0: So do I have to go to this website to find out, again, if something's going on in Illinois, the www.medqic.org?
1: That's correct. Each one of the interesting thing about the QIOs is each one of them are independent. They're uh, state-based organizations that all have different names and have different policies and approaches. The one commonality that they do have is that they all receive funding from the federal government to initiate a, a variety of programs. And the federal government is planning to use the QIOs, at least as it appears now, as a way to implement some of their EHR-based programs.
0: Bruce, what do you see as the end game in all of this? What does the government really want? What are they after?
1: Well, I think in the end uh, what what the the government has a sincere desire to improve both the the quality and uh efficiency of medicine, and really the only way that they can do that is to be able to have data. And so ultimately, the purpose of these initiatives in part is to to have doctors submit clinical data to them so that they can evaluate uh, how doctors are doing on various different quality measures, so that they can then institute programs to encourage uh, the adoptions of of some of those measures.
0: It seems like a slam dunk in terms of tying in with pay for performance. Do you see it the same way
1: uh, absolutely. Ultimately, doctors will be compensated based on their performance against defined clinical measures. Now, we're a long ways away from that happening at the federal level, but all of the things that are happening now uh, lead to that. And in fact, four QIOs in four states are conducting a pay-for-performance pilot project that could, if it's successful, be a precursor to a broader national project.
0: There's one thing that that gets left out of this equation in that the government wants us to obviously write down everything we do, check off every box so that every disease process is treated appropriately. But there's no way in this whole process to guarantee that the doctor is actually good at what he's doing, good at thinking, good at providing actual care for the patient. There's no checkbox in, I provided excellent care today. I looked at the patient. I I allayed their fears. I I had them feeling better when they left the office than when they came in. And it's just it seems that we're just becoming robots.
1: Well, I think uh, that's a legitimate criticism. The government, at least at this stage, is looking for measurable things, things that can be sent digitally and that can be measured compared against a certain standard. And in that, I think you make a very good point, Larry, that some of the, you know, the intangibles, that important interaction between patient and and physician get lost and are extremely difficult to measure. So I do think that this is a a process that's going to evolve over time. So far, the federal government has actually been, at least in my opinion, fairly sensitive to... The needs of, of physicians and in realization it just can't stuff something down the throat of the the average doctor that this country relies on for medical care
0: I, I as a physician though I'm used to getting things shoved down my throat uh, we've lost total control of our practices and are at the at the whims of big business and managed care organizations so this doesn't really scare me at all it just seems like the next step in the evolution towards mechanical health care in America. Any last thoughts, Bruce?
1: The only thing that I would say is that the train has left the station, that these things are likely to uh, happen. They're, they're not likely to happen tomorrow, but we are going to see this transition, and it's very much been driven by the government.
0: Well, I'd like to thank our guest, Bruce Cleveland, for coming on the show today and telling us what the future has for us in terms of the government meddling in our offices some more. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill, and you've been listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. And thanks for listening.